Welcome to Thinking Edge with Ed Boudreau. So we couldn't be more excited to have Tojin Rahal, CEO and President of World Health with us today on Thinking Edge. Welcome. Thank you. So I'd, I'd love to start off. I usually don't do this with guests, but I'd love to know, can you bring us through your background and a little bit of history? Because I just think it's so rich and deep. I would, I would love for you to go through that with us. Sure. Yeah, it's, it's kind of an interesting background. Let's see, where do I start? So I did biomedical engineering. I'm a Raleigh uh, native uh, or North Carolina native, I guess. I was born in Wilmington. And so I Grew up there, went to NC State, did the typical, you know, Wolfpack path, um, so biomedical engineering. From there, I went on and did my PhD across the street at UNC Chapel Hill. I still bleed red. Um, and um, we went over there and, and then I did a PhD in pharmaceutical sciences, molecular pharmaceutics, pharmacoengineering, fancy terminology for drug delivery and figuring out ways to, we worked on a variety of projects from, you know, oncology to lung therapeutics. And then from there, I found my passion for being more involved in kind of educating the future generations of professors and faculty and, and students and professionals where it comes to equity and inclusion and understanding our cultural differences. And that's where I kind of shifted gears and went to become director of diversity and inclusivity at a college of engineering in Missouri. And then from there, I got promoted to assistant dean for strategic initiatives. And so that was kind of that was exactly what I, where I wanted to be and what I wanted to do, especially in engineering, where really bringing to light all the needs of our engineering students, putting more people into engineering and, and diversifying um, who becomes an engineer and who can become an engineer, um, that access piece. And from there, I was recruited for this position uh, as CEO of Engineering World Health. And that's currently also ties into the theme of biomedical engineering and really helping the communities that need it the most. And in the background, I kind of started my own little consulting um, group where I'll, I'll do workshops on leadership development with a cross-cultural competence, kind of being the lead part of that and how to incorporate equity and inclusion into your workspace. So that's in a nutshell. <laughs> Just an amazing, rich background. And it really gets me to think you're a world systems thinker in, in thinking about your, your, your background, your leadership training and coaching that that you do and just an incredible background. I'd love to know more about Engineering World Health. Yeah, absolutely. So Engineering World Health, our mission is to empower the biomedical engineering community to really address the needs of low resource countries when it comes to healthcare. So linking that engineering perspective to healthcare systems, especially in, in places that don't have a lot of resources to address those needs. And so we work across numerous countries at any given time, anywhere between one to nine countries, ranging from, you know, Uganda, Rwanda, we've been in Tanzania, we've been in Guatemala, Dominican Republic. I mean, whoever needs us, we try to be there. And the way we do this is, is in multiple approaches. So we have about five main themes in our organization right now. And one of them is summer institutes. And what that means is we send biomedical engineering students over to these countries. We give them technical training, and then we put them in the hospitals to work on repairing hospital equipment. Lots of equipment is donated to these countries, but it's just sitting there in warehouses. They don't know what to do with it. There's no manuals. They need repairs. So we try to address that. And in the background, we create a digital library of manuals that we give access to all of our, all of, it's a public library and they can access it to see what the manual is for the device they have and how to use it. And at the same time, we have engineering education, which is two sides. One is that K through 12 STEM outreach here in the States. Specifically, we have programs focusing on Title I schools 
Those are schools that don't have as much access to resources, or they have a lot of students that um, are on free and reduced lunch, which means they're underserved communities. And so we really try to provide these free STEM activities in these areas. And then the, the, the flip side is in the countries we serve doing a biomedical engineering technician training program so that we're not just there every summer and we leave, but we're also training the technicians they have. And so we're really working on expanding that program too, to leave a more sustainable solution uh, in the countries. And then of course we have our virtual programs with COVID. I think everyone has adapted to virtual something and we've done a lot of um, teaching engineering design for low resource healthcare systems virtually. And it's cross-cultural students from all over the world participate. And then we of course incorporate intercultural competence in everything we do. And we engage our university chapters. So our students, they're the, you know, the meat of this. They're the ones who go out there and do the work. So it's really a, a, a five prong system that we have going on at Engineering World Health. Wow. How did you get to be such a global systems thinker? Because I, I think a lot of folks, and I might be included in this, are limited in my thinking, but looking to, to expand it and, and to have a global impact. Seems like you started there. So how do, how do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know crazy how the world works. We're put in different situations throughout our entire lives that ultimately shape what we want to do with ourselves and, and how we see the world. I, you know, I'm Palestinian American, I'm Muslim, I Arab, I am a North Carolina Wolfpacker, right? So, you know, I have a lot of identities. And I think that comes into play where I was never had the option to really see the world with just one lens. I've had to see it from multiple views. Um, but then I also, I mean, I, I like to call myself a strategic thinker. I like to see the 30 foot view. I like to look and see, okay, if we're talking about this today, what's going to happen, you know, 10 days from now, what's going to happen a year from now, two years from now, how can we make a bigger impact with one conversation, for example? And I think that's just, it's a mindset. And I know you might, I know this is, you didn't ask me this, but my keynote is unsolicited advice. So here's one positive thinking, <laughs> um, you know, positive thinking and having that growth mindset constantly is really, I think how I got there. Yep. That's, beautiful and, and amazing. And, and thank you for what you do for the world. Reading a great book right now from, from Jamie Wheel, and it's really, he has some structures and frameworks in there. But as, as you were speaking, he has three premises. We're here to change the world, save the world, however you want to say that. But he has three concepts that anything you do should be anti-fragile. It should be scalable and it should be open source. So, yeah, I, I, and, you know, when you were describing engineering world health, I was thinking about that, right? Access to, to digital assets, the anti-fragile and scalability is that you've connected multiple ecosystems, you know, a, a true world or, or market need within healthcare, but having folks who are learning want to be a part of that and, and really enabling folks growth through education, but also experience as well. So does that cause you to think differently or how would you comment on the anti-fragile, scalable and, and open source? I, I love that. Um, I, I think it's, a you know, with Engineering World Health, they've been around for 20 years. I've been on there as the CEO for about a year and some, but absolutely. I think when I joined, it was the middle of the pandemic and there was some fragility of what are we going to do? Our whole you know, call to fame per se is to travel abroad and, and go to these countries and we can't travel. And so that was a big kind of gut aching thing. And, and so came in and really brainstormed with the team and came up with how can we be long-term sustainable 
so that we're not just doing a one-off, you know, virtual program because of COVID. We're going to actually do a program and do another program and another program long after COVID's gone, long after we can travel again to really address that scalability, sustainability, you know, anti-fragile, because we want to have more legs to stand on. And, um, you know, the sustainability, I, I really think, and, and if you look at my history, I've always been involved in some sort of STEM outreach for younger kids. You know, it's, it's not just what I think, but also the research shows that young kids, especially girls, especially people of color, they'll, they make up their minds, whether STEM is for them or not, at such a young age. And it's based on exposure, it's based on access, it's based on what they're told. And so that's a big part for me of, of that scalability is getting students interested at such a young age and engaged in a fun way. I mean, we, we give out these little circuit boards and they're plug and play like Legos and they can monitor their heart rate when they're done making it. You know, so it's stuff like that that's going to link engineering, electrical engineering, physics, science, you know, healthcare. And in one activity that they, you know, might not even realize it until much later, but at least now they know they can do it and it's a fun thing. And so this impact, hopefully long-term, will get them to colleges and universities and programs in STEM, and then ultimately maybe travel with us when they're at that age or go on to do their own thing and serve other countries. And just with that key of thinking outside of the typical box we're in, that we assume you can plug a device into electricity, right, into an outlet. But when you're in other countries, that's not always the case. Like things as simple as that is how do you tweak your device to survive the different environments? And so, so I, do, I do think a dream world health definitely meets those criteria. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, I think you mentioned, you know, growth mindset, positive mindset, but also allowing folks the experience to become a builder, to become a creator, to become an engineer. And that spark of inspiration, who knows where that will take them, but giving people that experience is just perhaps opening them up to, to new possibilities as a, as a builder, as a creator. Absolutely. It's a hundred percent. If you, if I can tell you all I want about it, but if I don't show you, what's the point? Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. And I'd, I'd love to know, I'll put you on the spot a little bit. What, what would you say? It, it could be one, but it could be one to three top world health problems that are top of mind for you that you see as perhaps the greatest impact we could have, you know, it could be somewhere in the world in a specific thing that's going on in the world. I'd, I'd love to know from your perspective, since you have that global thinking, what do you think the top three opportunities, problems, challenges are for health or, or otherwise? Uh, that's a wonderful question. And I'm going to, I'm going to take us on another path just for a second. Actually, what we post to students every year for our design competition is here's five grand challenges of the year. How would you solve them? And they come up with phenomenal ideas. And these are college students and teams. And so we try to deal with that every year of getting students to think about what are the challenges in the world. And, you know, and I could, I could give you a thousand answers, right? There's things as simple as clean water to drink, access to water to drink you know, any water access, right? Th those are common issues. There's also obviously poverty, food, you know, food, food. I want to say inequity in a sense where it's not distributed, you know, equally or there's not enough access. And you have, you know, the more you learn about the world and the different countries, they have staple foods that they eat in every meal. And we think, oh, this is such a, you know, cool dish. 
but no, this is the only resource or this is the main, like potatoes, this is the main thing they have in their country to eat. That's why it's in every dish. It's not a cool thing, right? So just thinking about the world differently and realizing that there are many challenges out there. And I would say, I mean, honestly, the one that comes to mind and maybe I'm biased because I have a lot of friends in the water world, you know, in, in environmental engineering, but, you know, clean water access, it's a basic human necessity yep. and, and it's being addressed and it's, it's in, in multiple ways. People are coming up with innovative, cool water filtration methods, you know, but then you have the flip side, right? And I say water, that's important in the healthcare system. It's not just to drink, but you, the amount of patients you see due to water poisoning or not, I know it's not called water poisoning, but drinking unclean water and, right. um, and or just being dehydrated, right? And those are common day-to-day issues. I'm going to stick to that one, but there are definitely a lot and folks could definitely check out our grand challenges we have for our design competition. Right. Um, which are real challenges. <laughs> Can I, is it grand challenges or grand? grand, grand yeah, we call them grand challenges. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I love that. That's amazing and inspirational as well. So go kind of in a way, research the, the globe, understand it more deeply, craft your grand challenges yourself uh, or with a team and then find ways to, to address it. That's, I love that. Yeah, absolutely. And we, um, we try to like give them ideas of what challenges exist, but we also open it up if they have an idea. Um, and then when they go, you know, when they go into our virtual programs, they experience the same process. It's like, here's a few countries. These are common problems they have. How would you solve their problems from an engineering standpoint? And so it really gets the ball rolling and gets their brain to think in a very different way. That's great. I, I, I love that. I recently came across a term that I've been, I've been using. It, it's called a wicked problem. It, it could be a grand challenge or a wicked problem, you know, in, in the world or, you know, within an environment that is challenging and complex to solve. But I love the fact the engineering foundation too, because all of that is, is problem solving. And how do you eloquently look at a wicked problem and come up with a simple solution? Sometimes that's not possible. Sometimes it needs to be complicated, but how do you simplify and when I think about a great engineer, they're always looking to simplify the process or how to solve that particular problem. But there's a thinking methodology behind that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's a lot of trial and error and a lot of, you know, you need to talk to people who are living in the problem and hear from them directly because they are recently I learned about the design process in a, in a different lens, a non-engineering lens. And it was called the experience expert, the person who's experiencing the problem. They're the expert. What's their take on it? Yeah. So, I love that. So Tojin, I, I would love to ask you if you were to offer advice to either aspiring engineers or folks looking at a path of, of engineering in, in different ways, what three pieces of advice would you enable them with? That's, that's a great question. Um, ooh, okay. I'm going to tell, I'm going to say what I usually tell my students and that is engineering may be hard at times, especially if you don't fit the bill air quotes there. You know, if you don't see people who look like you as mentors, it can be extra difficult. And even if you're just trying to do engineering and and you do fit the bill air quotes again, you know, it can be extra difficult. And what I would say is being an engineer can open the door to, it can open a lot of doors. It's the key to many doors. And with it, you can do a lot of different careers, a lot of different things that are impactful in the world. So don't give up and keep going and realize that you really have to get to know yourself because things are not always going to be comfortable. So become comfortable being uncomfortable. I, yeah, that's, I love that. I I have a, an electrical engineering degree 
And I think part of my success was having that and then pursuing other things, but it's having that kind of logical mind, but the ability to solve things as well. Absolutely. So Jeanette, I uh, really appreciate you as a, a person, a human, the change you're inspiring in, in the world, your mentoring, your, your leadership, and uh, the fact that you look at things from a global perspective and really couldn't be more fortunate to have you on the Thinking Edge today. So thank you. Thank you so much, Ed, for having me. I really appreciate it.